I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. We are coming to you on Tuesday, a couple of days after yet another win. I mean, uh, we said last time you were on, Imran, that was the most positive podcast of the season. And since then, we've had two more wins, so two more positive podcasts, right? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's what, second in the form table in the Premier League. Can't complain, really. Um, Fixtures have been, well, I say they've been kind, but Villa away is not really a kind fixture. Um, So, yeah, I mean, all you can do is say, job well done at the moment. No, and like, I mean, there's loads of these games that we had been losing, you know, whether it was your likes in Nottingham Forest and your Bournemouth and whatever. So, you know, nowadays you don't think any fixtures are that easy, even if they're looking relatively, maybe Sheffield United. Although, yeah, <laughs> when we play them, they'll probably be turning on the form as well. Uh, I mean, Luton Town at the start of the season, you thought was going to be one of the easy fixtures. But yeah, they've done way better than anybody's been expecting, uh, making a real fight off the relegation scrap. Have not really been thrashed by anybody. Um, so yeah, to come out with another win away at Kenilworth Road, we've got to be happy with that. I mean, that's now five wins in a row, uh, four league wins in a row, and we're now unbeaten in 2024. Big, big yeah. change, you know, at the end of last year, even though I'm positive, I didn't really see it coming like this so quickly. Um, so, you know, even I'm like pleasantly surprised. You must be absolutely shocked. Uh, I wouldn't say shocked because we have, it's not like we've won any of these games in a way that would surprise anyone, I guess, if that makes sense. Maybe the Yeah, Villa we make hard from... work of it every time, yeah. don't we? There's obviously, the, I think, what was the West Ham game where we won 3 0 and it was very comfortable. But other than that, the rest of these games have had their moments of jeopardy. Um, even, that, uh, even the FA Cup game, you know, 2 0 up, cruising, go back to 2 2. So I don't think any of these games have been won in a surprising manner. Um, it's more, I guess, putting that run together of consistency, which has generally been our downfall and not being able to win a couple of games on the spin, although we did back in what, October, and then we promptly lost to Bournemouth 3-0 at home. So um, I guess that's a bit of a red flag to watch out for Fulham at home this weekend, you know, for in form. So would be like Man United to lose that game, but I actually don't think we will. So, you know, it, 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 it's a good run of form, and, yeah, we should be happy with it. Yeah, I mean, when we won those three in October, it was actually... Losing three nil to City, that was the next game. After that, um, no, but we lost to Bournemouth, didn't we? Three nil. We did, but it was late. That was later. It wasn't after oh, was our it? three in a row early. We, we, our three in a row in October was then followed by losing to City and losing to Newcastle, going out of the League Cup. Uh, but then we were top we... of the form table at some point, and then I we think lost that to was Bournemouth. Actually, no. slightly later, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we were definitely top of the we were definitely top of the form table when we lost to we Bournemouth. Were, in, I in the Premier League, we were yeah in the Premier you know, League. It's different. Yeah. It's like that three in a row because oh, we were losing Champions in the Champions League, League at the same time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it depends if you're just talking league. Whereas now we're uh, what are we five, six, seven, seven unbeaten. Uh, mm. You know that'd been the problem all year. Whenever we had a win, it'd be quickly followed up by losses. Uh, so yeah, now to at least be avoiding those losses is a big difference. 
And yeah, sometimes you say, look, football is small margins. I mean, earlier in the season, sometimes we weren't getting a bit of luck. I thought earlier in the season, there was times when we played well enough to get a draw at least, and we were coming out with losses, and maybe that's what's happening now. You know, last week we had a big discussion because quite a few people thought that we were lucky to beat Villa. But on this Luton one, I think we definitely deserved the win, right? Oh, yeah, I think we definitely deserved this win. It was a weird one because actually we deserved the win, but also if we'd end up drawing, I don't think anyone would have been that surprised <laughs> that we no, drawed. I, I would have been surprised. I mean, if right, they'd, we made if hard they'd work at the it. end. I don't think you'd have been shocked if they'd scored at the end. Um, I wouldn't have been shocked just because that's the way our season's going. But we definitely deserve to win this game. Oh, I mean, we didn't win it by more. I mean, there was a lot of easy chances yeah. that we missed here. I mean, XG for us is at 3.59, which is about as high as we've managed in most of the season. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a few sitters. Garnacho comes straight to mind, one-on-one yeah. on one with the goalie and, you know, messed it up completely. Uh, so, yeah, 3.59 for us, 1.57 for Luton. So, yeah, we definitely deserved this win, oh. even though, like you say, we did make it difficult for ourselves. There was some, like, very worrying moments towards the end of the game. And, and yeah, it could have all been so much easier. I mean, I, I have to say, like, I had to take somebody to the airport and I missed the first goal in this game, and I almost missed the second goal in this game. Uh, I'm sure he'll be listening as well. So, yeah, Lee, I'm blaming you for missing the first goal in this game. But, yeah, I'm, 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 I bet loads of people missed it. You know, what was it, 37 seconds or something yeah, like that? Fastest ever Premier League away goal. Oh, um, I didn't know that. That's a that's good That's our fastest ever Premier League away goal, and the fastest we've ever been 2-0 up away from home in the Premier League as well. So, two fairly surprising stats. But, I mean... That's obviously going back even in Fergie days, which you'd think. But generally, these days, we are poor starters to games. So actually to be 2-0 up within six minutes, brilliant. And two really well tails from Rasmus, who is just on fire. Um, I have no idea. I still can't work out what the Luton defender was trying to do. Bell. I have no idea. what he, Was he trying to pass it to Mengi? Was he trying to pass it to... The, it was just a, a, a bizarre bit of defending. But, um, I mean, fair play to Rasmus for being alert to the situation, thinking something might I happen. I think he was trying really... to make a back pass to the goalie and messed no it up way. completely. That's, but... no I don't know, he was quite no way chance. off. Yeah, he's he on was... the halfway line. There's no way he's put that little power. I, he must have been trying yeah, to pass it across it is, to me. Like you say. It can't yeah, have been to the keeper, but um, I mean, Rasmus actually did take it past the keeper, um, put it into the net, 1-0, and I mean, when you were. Two, I mean, it's when... just that kind of anticipation that yeah. we don't get from Martial. That even you know Rashford isn't necessarily going to make that kind of run because he's not used to being up front. It is the difference between a proper striker who's always trying to sniff out where a goal might come from. Uh, and yeah, we've missed that for a long, long time. And mm. uh, I would say so. And uh, I mean, to be fair, the first ten, fifteen minutes of this game, we were really good, controlled it. Uh, ho- obviously a hostile environment down at Kenilith Road, but we completely nullified that. We were on top, controlling the game completely, attacking quite nicely, passing was good, and then it just kind of all went to, to pot after about 15 minutes, and we were absolutely... T- I thought for the last half an hour of that first half, we were pretty poor, like borderline terrible, um, as bad as, you know, normally we've been this season. And I think, honestly, if it had been, we did deserve to win the game, but if it had been too all at half time, I don't think anyone could have said that's undeserved. Yeah, and look, he obviously made all these half time substitutions, so he kind of recognised yeah. that, you know, players were struggling. Uh, Luke Shaw, again, comes out injured twice in a row. He's not made it past the halfway line. I don't uh, think he was fit, to be honest with you, was he? Come on, I don't think he was fit. In the first he probably place. wasn't, and Ten Hag had said earlier in the week that he was like kind of 50-50 and we were going to see, and I guess they've decided that he's okay and he's come out and he's not made it past 45 minutes. And yeah, it's a big shame, you know. The, the uh, These are what I had been worried about, you know, when we had that transfer window open and I said to you, look, we're getting rid of a lot of players. We're taking big gambles on players staying fit for the rest of the season. We've already lost Martinez. And again, we wait to see how Luke Shaw is. And we know even at the best of times, Shaw never goes too long without some kind of injury. And we've had these kind of occasions where he comes back and quickly gets injured again, again and again. It's such a shame because he is one of our most important players. If not, you know, you could even put an argument from being our most important. You know, Marcus Rashford is a different player when Luke Shaw is on the pitch compared to whoever else might be behind him. 
Um, but yeah, look, we did go two up in this game. Let's uh, not forget, we talked about the first goal. Uh, second goal was a bit of a weird one. Uh, chested goal, you don't see that too often. I remember back in the day, we always used to say that uh, Marouane Fellaini had the greatest chest of world anyone chest in control. world football. World class, world class. But I don't think I ever remember him scoring one with his chest, whereas uh, Rasmus has now got that on his CV. Fellaini's chest, it was impossible for the ball to bounce off it. It would, it would catch the ball. Whereas this one, yeah, Hoyland had a trampoline in his chest. Uh, but, I mean, it was a, a genuinely brilliant finish. Um, it made me think of, like, unusual finishes, and I thought of Hernandez's backheader against Stoke. Uh, yeah. And it was kind of that, that kind of thing, just an unusual instinctual finish with a part of your body that you wouldn't usually score with. And, it's, you know, Hernandez was an excellent goal scorer in that regard. And, you know, if Hoyland can be an excellent goal scorer too, which he's proven to be then brilliant, yeah, it was a really good goal. No, yeah, definitely. At that point, you're like two nil up, seven minutes in, happy days. How many are we going to score? But yeah, like you say, no, you no, go that no, you're way not. You never, you never. No, you're like, at what point can we can we start making this hard for ourselves? And that's no, exactly I am. That's a, that's the way I think. Whereas I know you think in a totally different way. You're always like waiting for when are the opposition scoring or whatever. I'm like, look, yeah, two nil. Where's goal number three coming from? But no, yeah, you know, I'm always like I say, ignoring the reality of where we are at. And yeah, 15 minutes in, Morris gets a goal. I see Onana getting a bit of stick for this one. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I think Onana's been relatively good recently. And I did say he did actually get a man of the match kind of shout in the game against Villa. Um, but yeah, do you blame him for this one? It just seemed a bit of a messy situation in the box. I don't know. He, he could have done better, but I'm not particularly blaming him myself for this goal. I, I wouldn't blame him, no. And I, I'm very quick to say when Onana should, I think, could be doing better on on shots and, and goals. But for this one, he's off his line fast, which is something I've criticised him for in the past, not being off his line quick enough. So he was off his line fast. He made himself big, which again is something in the past I've said he's not been good enough at making himself big. So he, off his line fast, made himself big. There is every chance his big star jump that his hand saves the header and he, you know, put and it goes wide. So he took a chance. It didn't pay off. I wouldn't. It's obviously it's other things he could have done. Maybe he could have made his body shape a bit different, but I, w- I wouldn't blame him. He's tried something, it didn't pay off. But it's better than him just being rooted to his line and making himself small. So yeah, no, I'm not, I'm no, no problem with that. Yeah, and then we had this kind of flurry of yellow cards. Uh, Luke Shaw, Casemiro and Harry Maguire, all within about 10, 15 minutes of each other. And like you say, that was the kind of worrying bit where I did think that Casemiro's was a very harsh yellow card. He wasn't. Um, I, yeah, the first one, I thought it was pretty harsh. Like he kind of is pulling out of the tackle. He's even got his arms up. He has, but um, he's, he, if you watch it in slow motion, his foot to kick. He, he takes out the other guy with his foot. Um, it's a. It, if that was against us, you'd be screaming and howling for a yellow card. Oh, I mean, uh, I mean I'm going to be screaming so, and howling for a yellow so card on I, every tackle that goes does, in. He does try to pull out. To be fair to him, but he does make contact. And if he makes contact when he's running at that, when the guy's running at that pace and running through. For a promising attack, it's a booking every time. Plus, he'd already made about two or three fouls before that. Um, so, I mean, he was definitely lucky with the next foul. That see, he stayed that's on where the pitch. that's where I completely disagree. I don't think he was lucky, <laughs> unlucky with it. I think so, this is this weird thing now, where if you're on a booking, whatever your next foul is, must be a booking, and you must be sent off. It was a fairly innocuous foul. He's taken a bad touch, and he's reached out and he's tripped the guy. He's not studded him. He's not gone into aggressively. It's just a trip. It's a slide trip. It's not, not, it's like, it wouldn't, if that was his first tackle of the game, you wouldn't give him a booking. So why? Because he's on a booking, should it be a booking then? If it was his, yeah, it makes no sense to me. Um, if you, no, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that because well, for me, that second one is much worse than the first no, one. No, no chance. Because he's like more out of control. He's on the ground, whereas in the first one, he's just, all right, standing there, the other guy's but he's at broken pace. up a promising attack. If anything, the first one would have been a blue card in the future. Um, the I, second, well, I know. The, se- the second one cards, for me, yeah. I'm always, I'm, I always think like a referee should at all times try and keep eleven people on the pitch. And does he have to? Has Casemiro done something in that second? He's like he definitely doesn't deserve to be on the pitch anymore because of that foul. I don't, I don't think so. It's not, a, it's not a terrible foul by any stretch of the imagination. So, but one after that, absolutely. If he did another foul, then hundred percent, yeah, second yellow. Take him off, and that's why we had to sub him off at half time, and that's what he did. Similar with Harry Maguire, who was committing so many fouls. Harry Maguire, I mean, I've, been, I've praised Harry Maguire a lot this season. I think he's been really good, but he was dreadful in this first half. He made Carlton Morris look like Didier Drogba from 
2005 or six or whenever Drogba was in his prime. It just ridiculous performance from Maguire. Just looked like he was all over the shop. And then when Johnny Evans came on in the second half, Carlton Morris looked like Carlton Morris all over again and wouldn't have a problem at all. So, yeah, both t- taking them two off at halftime really made a big difference. It did, and previously we've not done that. I can remember Fred a couple of times being on yellows, everybody saying, get him off, get him off, and then they didn't, and he got a red card. But uh, it was interesting that this time he took the decision, Ten Hag, and the two of them as well, pretty rare. I mean, I thought at the time that maybe Harry Maguire had a knock. I wasn't that surprised that he took Casemiro out, because as I said, I think he was maybe lucky to stay on the pitch, whereas Harry Maguire, it was the one bad tackle, but I didn't really see that he was... Uh, there wasn't another one like that where I thought he should have got sent off but I thought he'd had a knock or something but Ten Hag said it wasn't he said it was just all about the yellow cards and that he had good options to come in from the bench I think Ten Hag was being kind and using that as an excuse for actually Harry Maguire had a really poor first half and he just wasn't dealing with Carlton Morris at all um, he kept on like just getting too tight and fouling him and as soon as Johnny Evans came on he just Step back a bit, realize that if Carlton Morris turns in, he's not great on the ball, he's not going to do much. Just take him off it, take it off him later, or let him pass it and take a ball off someone else. It's not a not a big danger. So yeah, I think he was just being kind to to Harry. And yeah, before even that half time, as I said, Luke Shaw did come out. We get Victor Lindelof in for the second time at left back, and for me, this is a major problem. I. I was not that happy that we let so many players go in the window and didn't bring anyone in. You know, when Reguillon returned to Spurs after his loan, I was sure we were going to bring somebody else in on loan. I thought it might have more likely to have been a striker than a fullback, but I was absolutely certain that somebody else would fill that loan spot and nobody did. And now I think we're paying for it. You know, we're still no sign off Malassia. Uh, you know, we've not seen even one minute from him the entire season. Aaron Bissaka has also been out and apparently uh, was supposed to return, but has had some extra complication. So he's still missing over there. Uh, so it's only like Diogo Dallo at the moment, who is our only fit fullback. So when you're filling in with Victor Lindelof, for me, that is a major problem. And that we've managed hmm. to get through two games and still win them with him at left back is a miracle because he looks completely out of place there. I mean, I'm not usually even that happy seeing him at centre-back. So when I see him at full-back, it's just a total liability. Uh, so I, I mean, I personally think it was a major mistake to be sending back Regui on and not bringing anybody else in. And I just hope that Wan-Bissaka or, is coming back soon. Because even if Malassia is back soon, he's going to be absolutely nowhere near match fit for at least like a few weeks. So mm. we can't expect anything from him, even if he does come back. So I think that was a big risk taken by the club, by Ten Hag, whoever made that decision. Uh, and, you know, if Lindelof gets injured now, who's even next in line? I know Amrabat, Amrabat played <laughs> left-back yeah, earlier in the season. I mean, I'd put Amrabat at left-back over Lindelof because I think Lindelof is shocking at left-back. He's a dreadful, dreadful left-back. Um, he was awful against Villa. He was mildly bad against Luton. And against any half-decent winger, they're just going to have him on. They're going to have him every single time. He's, he's so slow. Doesn't know where to position himself out there. Can't really use his left foot very well. Yeah, it's, nice. it's, a, it's a disaster way for Lindelof And attacking-wise, he offers absolutely oh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Zero, less than nothing. So yeah, it's just a a poor, poor, poor having him at left. Honestly, I think Anthony would be a better left back, and I think Anthony is barely a footballer. So yeah, not 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 great options back there. Um, no, and the biggest problem as well is we've got. I've seen the, you know there's a thread on Red Cafe about this, and people saying, oh, surely we've got somebody from the youth team. But we really haven't because we had such a clear out of any of our half decent. Anyone half decent from our youth teams have left the club already. The ones who are left, they're all like 16, 17, 18 year olds. Uh, you know, in the summer, Ethan Laird left. Uh, Brandon Williams went out on loan and is actually injured at the moment anyway. Uh, there was also Urado, who was one of like you good young Spanish fullback who went out back to Spain. And Alvaro Fernandez, he was one who I thought might come back after having a really good first half of the season out in Liga, but he's now made the move to Benfica. Uh, he's not around. So yeah, those four fullbacks all left the club in the summer. And that's why we've got nobody from the youth team who can even step up uh, unless you're literally, I've seen, seen a couple of shouts. I think there's a Harry 
Amas, who's touted for the future, but he's only about 17 years old. So he's nowhere near ready to be getting involved in anything here. Um, so, yeah, for me, like I say, that is a major error and a bit of a worry going forward now. And it was my worry before, while the window was up, that we're getting rid of all these players. And it's a big gamble on players coming back and staying fit. And basically, they're not at the moment. Mm. We will take a quick break there and then come back for the second part of the show, finishing off the loot and chat. There's still stuff going on, of course, around the ownership and directors of football and things like that we can talk about. Uh, we will also be having an update on the Women's Super League season. And then we've got quite a few games to look forward to towards the end of the show. We only had one game a week recently, but we do have a midweeker coming up as well. So we'll have a couple of previews to talk about. Uh, but yeah, quick break there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back for part two of the show. Uh, we'll finish off the Luton game. So yeah, look, we went into the second half. Several subs, like I said, came on, and look, there was no goals in the second half, but. Both teams had a lot of chances. I think it was actually quite crazy that there was no goals in the second half. I mean, we well, didn't had really to score. Have, didn't have many chances. They had Barkley's header off the bar right at the end. And I think a, a couple of shots from distance. But other than that, I don't think Anana, Anana really had anything to do in the second half. I thought, we, I thought we controlled the game and defended quite well. Maybe not chances, but they were getting in and around our box quite a lot. But, I but think they we, didn't have the quality to yeah. kind of punish us with it. I think we generally seem to manage it okay. Um, obviously, the, the ball could have broken and anything could have happened, but in general, I thought we were defending much better in the second half, in the first half. I think Johnny Evans was a big part. Johnny Evans was excellent when he came on. Um, still my shout for player of the season so far is Johnny Evans. Just well, for... we did we did mention him on the last podcast yeah, not, when we not had enough, this chat. Not enough. Not enough. I don't think he can be talked about as player of the season just because he hasn't played anywhere near enough. He's played to a be lot in that kind of chat. He, he's played a fair bit. I don't. I haven't looked at actual minutes, but I doubt he's not. He's not going to be in like our top ten players in terms of minutes played this season. So for me, it's difficult to be talking about that kind of bit part player as a player of the season. But whenever he has played, he has done really well. Can't argue with that. And we did give him a mention because you demanded it uh, before, and so yeah, he got a shot. But you can't be. Putting Johnny Evans ahead of, I don't know, Garnacho, even, yeah, Mainu's not played that much either. But these, for me, are like, and even now, at this point, Hoyland, uh, surely more like standout players of the season. And brilliant, all three, all three youngsters, ones for the future. I mean, Evans has played more than Mainu. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mainu not played anything until uh, this kind of new year. But I, I just think, like, for a player who we expected zero from, I think if we, I think in between us, if we all said he'd probably play five games this season, we'd probably say, yeah, probably. That's how many games Evans will get. He's played, I think, like 20, 20 odd games and barely put a foot wrong, wrong in any of them. So I think he's been brilliant. No, no, uh, look, just I, he has done absolutely brilliant. Uh, just saying, yeah, I wouldn't have him right near the top of our kind of top, top players here just on the fact of how many minutes he's kind of played, mm. basically. Um, but yeah, he definitely deserves that shout. But there. yeah, we. We should have uh, we should have put this game to bed. Absolutely, we had th- what three one on ones: Dallo, Fernandez, and um, Ganacho. All tried to take it around the keeper, all with varying levels of success. Um, it must have been that must have been from the coaching team to try to get around the goalkeeper who comes out and goes down early. Because I can't remember the last time I saw one of our players try to take it around the keeper. Never mind four. Um, so that was it. That was one interesting little tidbit from the game. But yeah, I think Bruno was unlucky. They probably could have raised his and put it in. Um, Ganacho 
I mean, I don't know what he was trying to do. He had literally had an open goal to shoot in on his, his right foot. His was the worst he... one. His was the worst one because he had loads of time, pure one-on-one, to do whatever he, he wanted. Even, he actually successfully took it round the keeper. And there's a, there's a freeze frame of him when he cuts inside. If he just shoots I there... I think the keeper it, gets a little touch on it, he doesn't does, he? But, the keeper gets a little touch. And he, that he does is take him wide, takes it away but, from him. And he has to hook it round. But it's still, it's an open goal for him to shoot with. If he was on his weaker foot, I'd understand the cutback. But on his strong foot, I just don't know why he's not put it into an empty net. And Dallow never really got out of his feet. But... Um, yeah, one of those should have gone in. Bruno had another chance as well. Rashford forced a good save. So we definitely had the chances to put this game to bed and we probably should have done. Um, just, you know. We never we haven't won a single Premier League game by two goals this season. So when you say, oh, 2-0 and you think we're comfortable, we're never comfortable at 2-0. Unless we get that third goal, we are not comfortable at 2-0 because we've not won a single game by two goals. No, we won a couple by three goals, right? Yep, two by three goals. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, look, we do always make it difficult. And yeah, as I say, Big credit to Luton Town, who are defying a lot of expectations and yeah. doing it with a kind of ramshackle team. You know, Ross Parkley, Androth Townsend, two of our old kids who most people didn't expect but probably even be Premier League players, Tahith Chong and uh, Tendon Mengi, uh, doing very well for them. And yeah, I'm happy to see them doing well enough there. It, would, it is, it's, a good, it's a good result because ultimately other teams have gone there and struggled. Liverpool drew there. I think Arsenal... Got away with a one go- a win by a goal. Same with City. So you know it's not not the easiest place to go and, and hammer a team. And we actually did really should have come away with a a, couple, a win by a couple of goals. So it was a good performance in the end. Well, it wasn't a good performance, but it was a it was a good win in the end. Yeah, and as I say, we are certainly back in that Champions League race now. Um, we have to see. We still are a bit far off it, but at least we are back in contention. Whereas you know a few we're weeks only three ago, points behind Spurs. Look, well, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, we're right back in it. Although, yeah, that is fifth place at the moment rather than fourth place. And it's still up for debate whether that fifth place is a Champions League spot. We'll find out in a couple of months' time. Uh, but, yeah, look, things are going well. We have to be happy and let's just hope this run can keep rolling on. Um, the other big stuff that we're always talking about at the moment is, of course, the ownership situation said on the last podcast that it's now more or less official that Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos are 25% owners and in charge of the footballing side of the club. We've already had the announcement of CEO, who is Omar Barada, coming in from Manchester City, although it's not yet been confirmed when exactly he's going to start his job. Now, the next one on the list is Dan Ashworth. We, If you hadn't listened to it on the last podcast, we went into a fair bit of his history, who he is and why he's so highly regarded. Uh, At that point, there was just rumours. Now it is definitely clear and official because he is officially being put on gardening leave by Newcastle. Even Eddie Howe, surprisingly, kind of mentioned him in one of his post-match comments on saying that, yeah, kind of looks like this kind of thing is going to happen. But there does still have to be agreement between Manchester United and Newcastle United because... Apparently, he's got a contract clause saying if he leaves officially, I think it's two years or something crazy, crazy like that. I can't believe he even agreed uh, to that in the first place. Yeah. I think nowadays, if people are giving you big roles, giving you a lot of responsibility, that, yeah, they're going to want to protect their own clubs. You know, it's a weird thing with players and transfers. It's all clear. Players have contracts. If you want one of them off another club, you have to pay that club the amount they want to send you his contract and you know it's the way it's done but with these guys uh you know whether it's chairman ceos directors of football even managers it's never as clear about how it's going to work and if you want one of them how much you have to pay um it's it's not normally even mentioned that much how much compensation you know clubs do pay other clubs for managers for example but you don't always hear about it that much as in like transfer fees uh and you hear about it even less with these kind of guys who are your boardroom, your backroom. I mean, Newcastle, apparently, you're asking for something like 20 million, uh, which sounds absolutely crazy in a way. But then when you compare it to how much we pay for players, is it that crazy? You know, we've all been in agreement for ages that our biggest problem is the boardroom. Our biggest problem is the structure. You know, we spent literally hundreds of millions, billion plus on our playing squad and it's not got us anywhere. So, you know, 20 million for bringing in somebody who can sort out those issues actually seems like it could be quite cheap. Mm. Uh, I don't think the club will pay you'd, that. You'd though. expect we'd agree. Well, I was going to say, you'd expect we can agree somewhere in the middle. He wants to leave. 
at the moment you say gardening leave, that means Newcastle are still paying him in full and he's doing absolutely nothing. Uh, so, yeah, they're not going to want that situation unless, I don't know, unless the Saudis dig their heels in and say, listen, we don't want him to go to United. So, yeah, you go and sit do, twiddling your thumbs for two years. We'll pay you. We don't care. No, I think uh, there'll, be a, there'll be a... Because it'll also reflect badly then on anyone they want to hire in the future because then they'll, well, this is, if I want to leave, then I'll be stuck basically. So it's, it's not going to, it's not a, a good reflection on their hiring policy, I would say. So a deal, a deal will be there to be worked out and it'll be worked out and then it'll probably be in by the summer um, after a couple of months gardening leave. Because ultimately, I don't think, I don't, I don't know how, why Newcastle think they're so important, but I don't imagine what secrets they have are that big, to be honest with you. Uh, the Saudis, on the other hand, they might have some secrets, but you know. I mean, he'll probably have obviously ideas about transfer targets and things like that. But normally nowadays, it can't all be that secret. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, there isn't that many hidden gems. There is the odd ones that get pulled out, you know, when, say, Man City bought Alvarez last year from nowhere for not very much. And uh, big sign. He said, there is still clubs who are finding these. And he, ha- of course, has done that, uh, especially when he was in charge at Brighton, you know. They're pulling out unknown players and then selling them for like 50, 60, 70 million. After that, these are the kind of things we never do. We're always the ones paying the 60, 70, 80 million uh, after other clubs have already made those players. Whereas, you know, back in the day, Alex Ferguson did used to find these kind of more hidden gems, whether it was Vidic, whether it was Evra, whether it was Chicharito, who kind of, you know, wouldn't say came from nowhere, but they were relatively cheap buys who ended up being very important players for us. And we we don't tend to do that anymore at all. Uh, You know, we do get good youth players who come through, but otherwise we're always paying way too much. And I think, in fact, there was some kind of report that came out this week, I think Deloitte Money League or something like that, saying that we officially have the most expensive squad ever assembled in football, apparently, which I've not looked into the detail of that. seems a bit surprising given how much, you know, your PSGs and City and have spent in recent times. But uh, maybe, you know, it's kind of inflation-based and we've paid it all more recently than they have. Yeah, I don't know. I saw, I saw the headline and thought that's not something I'm interested in, in finding out about at all, so... Just completely ignored it. Yeah, I mean, we know we've, yeah, wasted, we've wasted loads of money. I don't, of I don't million, need someone so. to tell me how we've wasted loads of money. I know we've wasted loads of money. Exactly. It's not a surprise to us. But these are the kind of guys that we hope come in, that we hope do it differently. Uh, and yeah, you have to give credit. You know, he's been a big part of our Newcastle, went from relegation candidates to Champions League in basically 12 mm. months. Uh more or less, without even spending that much money. They did spend a fair bit. And, you know, a lot of that is obviously, he's he's overseen it. We don't know how much is down to him specifically, but he's definitely been the one who's overseen that. And because he was involved in doing it at Brighton, where we've seen a lot of good players come in for not very much. Uh, it's the kind of thing that gets exciting. And obviously the reason why Sir Jim Ratcliffe wants him. Uh, I understand as well, he already has some kind of working relationship with Brailsford. Mm. Uh, from his days at the FA, I think they know each other pretty well. And that's why he is keen on this role, because they know each other. Uh, and I think there is still all these question marks in Newcastle over FFP and how much they're going to be able to spend going forward. So, yeah, look, we'll wait and see what happens on that. But, yeah, he's the next big kind of cog that we need in our machine. And then there should still be others coming in, whether it's head of recruitment. I guess we're expecting that somebody like John Murtor might be moved on as well. Whether he survives this summer will be interesting Unlikely. to see. Yeah, what, you don't think he'll be here? No, next? God, no. No chance. Yeah. yeah, it's more than possible that he's not. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens over there. I mean, there is also as well, I've seen some of the numbers now coming out of the women's side. The Obviously, MU women, the focus is all on the men's team, but they have their own kind of director of football who just started last year whether she'll stay in there whether they'll do something different we have to see i mean there's more and more money being spent on that side it's still nothing compared to the men's side but it's growing massively and you'd hope it's something that they'll think about and look at as well uh fortunately our women's team has not been doing very well at all don't know there was the big game against arsenal on the weekend i'd mentioned it the week before we lost thoroughly outplayed 3-1 and for the women, the women's Super League season is more or less over now. We're kind of mm. in fourth place, a long way behind the top three. 
there's only three places for the Champions League. We finished second last year, but we're like too far off it now and probably we'll just end up around fourth place. And it's a bit of a kind of, well, a big disappointment for a season, really. You know, after last year, which was the best season in the women's team history, where we went all the way to the last day of the season and still been in a chance of winning the Women's Super League, that this year we're not even really in the shout for the Champions League places is like, yeah, very sad to see. As I said, last year when we were struggling, the men, the women were at least that big positive bonus. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the, some of the fans are getting a bit impatient with Mark Skinner as the manager. Uh, I think the players seem to be fairly behind him, but yeah, I think some of the fans want a change, so we'll see what happens there as well. Yeah, I think there's a poll at the moment on Red Cafe and something like 65% want to change i think actually more than that 65 percent saying not to renew his contract i think another something like 25 percent want him gone right now like today and there was a tiny percentage of about five percent or something who are happy for him to stay i mean he did a great job he's done a good job as i said last year was the best women season ever for our team i mean they haven't got a very long history they've only been around for five six years but it was still a great season coming second going to the fa cup final but then this season has not gone to plan at all you know lost in the champions league qualifier so didn't make the group stage we're already out of the women's league cup even though in controversial circumstances but we're out of it now the league season is basically over we are still in the women's fa cup but that's the only slight bit of interest going in this year there's been a lot of injuries. He's lost some big players. Obviously, Russo, Onya Baggio was actually the bigger miss. And then before that, the likes of Lauren James, who were tearing it up at Chelsea. They were all Man United players and are not anymore. So, yeah, he has had issues in there. But I think probably his time is up and there's going to be need for like new ideas on the women's side over there. So, yeah, that's something for Ineos, of course, who are going to be dealing with as well. I mean... I'm sure, I don't think it's offensive to say that they will be focusing on the men's side first and sorting that out, especially because there's a lot more to sort out and years and years and years worth of mess for them to fix over there. But you're hopeful that we can fix it quite quickly. Uh, I mean, I do actually, I did have reservations about Ratcliffe when he was first coming in. I wasn't too sure about how he'd done. You know, there was some, Nice hadn't been doing that well. They were talking about Brailsford and, his guys and I was like well he's bringing his own guys don't have that good track record but I'm so happy that he's instead gone out they're picking out big guys from other clubs and I don't know if this is a specific thing for him that he seems to specifically go into battle like the kind of golf oil clubs I mean he's already had a kind of battle with Qatari investors over taking control of Man United. He's now gone straight to Abu Dhabi-owned Manchester City, taken one of their guys, and now he's gone over to Saudi-owned Newcastle and he's trying to poach their director of football. So I don't know if this is like a, a kind of deliberate ploy by him, but I think it also may be just a sign that those clubs, you know, it's sometimes sad to say you don't want these big oil clubs and throwing money around to do well, but they do things in the right way. They go out, they get the best guys in, and it brings them success. And you're kind of just shocked that we haven't done that. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem that difficult. Go and hire the best people from other clubs to come and do it at your own club. Whereas instead, we've always just hired from within and just kept making the same mistakes again and again for the last decade. So it doesn't seem like, you know, rocket science to be doing that. But at least we are finally doing it now. Yep. Better than ever, I guess. Um, I think that's probably another time for a quick break before we come back for the last part of the show uh we've only been having one game a week recently and we are now going into a week where we'll have a midweeker uh so yeah a few matches to talk about and look ahead to uh, see you on the other side of this break step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we're back for the last part of this show. We've got Fulham on the weekend. Are you going to this one, Imran? I am, yeah. Um, sh- I'm pretty hopeful, to be honest with you. Usually, I, like I said, it would be a, a perfect United thing to just turn around and lose this game, but I feel like we should have enough about us to win it. Uh, we are in good form. Highland's looking good. Uh, the side is actually a bit settled. Um, and then it depends how Fulham... Would Fulham I mean, Fulham can be decent on the day. Can be a bit rubbish on the day too. Uh, we obviously won at their place. Um, yeah, I can. I, I think we'll win. Yeah, I will be there as well. It's a rare Saturday three o'clock kickoff, which actually means it's not even on TV in the UK. Although I know that doesn't stop a lot of people watching things nowadays. Fulham are actually one of our best teams to play on form. In the last six, we've beaten them five times and drawn once. They're not on the best run of form. Uh, you know, where we've got four wins in a row. They lost the other day against Villa. They won the week before against Bournemouth, but then drew a couple of times before that. So they're not in great form. They're in their kind of usual mid-table slot. Mm. So, yeah, we're expecting a relatively easy win, as you know, as you've said before. Well, it rarely goes like that for us. And you never expect never relatively it. relatively easy. Yeah. I am expecting it. Uh, but yeah, Fulham rolling first. Then we do have, like I say, the midweeker coming up, Nottingham Forest in the mm. cup. Uh, it's our only chance of a trophy, unless, you know, do you ever watch those alternative MUFC videos that are actually pretty good? He's, he's always talking about a uh, second half of the season title charge. Uh, no chance. No chance of that happening. Um, the, I guess the interesting thing here is we've been playing a fairly settled 11 now for the last few weeks, but we probably have to rotate, rotate a little bit, um, especially with City coming then on the, after the Forest game. Yeah, um, exactly. Maybe take, um, especially someone like Varane, obviously, you wouldn't want him to play all three games. Even even someone like Manu, you know, you don't want to overplay Manu at this stage. Casemiro, same. Uh, Bruno's the only person who could play every game, every single day for the rest of eternity. Um, yeah, you know, I actually just want to have a quick chat about Bruno. Uh, there was, again, another thread on Red Cafe, and I slightly mentioned it on the last podcast that for me, He's been a massive, massive disappointment this season and he doesn't seem to be getting much criticism. You know, you see the likes of Rashford getting absolutely slagged off on a weekly basis and earlier in the season it was definitely deserved. I think more recently that he's actually been pretty decent. But Bruno has not had that much criticism and it's undoubtedly, stats-wise, his worst season for us since he's turned up. Uh, You know, he had that absolutely ridiculous season where he first came that I don't think he'll ever match again. But he's only got, I think, something like five goals, three assists, something like that for the whole season, which is absolutely awful for uh, somebody playing in that position for us week in, week out. And as you say, playing every minute of every game. Uh, I mean, are you, are you worried about Bruno at the moment? A little bit. Um, he was really poor against Luton, I thought. Um, decision-making, passing-wise, just not anything like the Bruno of a few years ago. Um, is it a problem? I mean, obviously, when players not playing well, it is a problem. You'd hope it's more of a form thing or a, a team cohesion thing. But I guess it's alternatives as well. I mean, Mason Mount's not fit. You could you could put Ericsson in there, but then does Ericsson have the legs to get about the pitch like Bruno does? You could put McTominay in there, but then McTominay's best role seemingly is coming off the bench and impacting games from there. So his form is an issue. I don't think it's the biggest issue in our team by a long, stop, a long shot. Um, and with Bruno, you know, there are odd games where he really will turn up in a big way. Um, but we need them to become more consistent now, I think, especially going into this, this crunch part of the season. Um, but yeah, it is, I mean, it is an issue. 
Yeah, it definitely is. I would say, yeah, three goals, five assists is a really poor return for him. I do know earlier in the season, he was shoved around a lot. He played a little bit on the right side, uh, sometimes a bit deeper in midfield. But he has been playing in his favoured kind of number 10 role week in, week out for a while now. And he's not really delivering that much from there. You know, he should definitely have scored a few more goals. I'm not seeing him link up much with Hoyland at all. I can't remember him setting up Hoyland for much. There doesn't see, you know, whereas between Rashford and Hoyland, there is at least some kind of partnership happening. Uh, Bruno does not seem to be on the same wavelength as Hoyland at the moment. And for me, it is a bit of a worry. And it is just that worry just because he does, like you say, he plays every minute of every game. And I'd say Ericsson probably is the one who could come on for like, you know, 15 minutes, Mm. 20 minutes at the end of other matches just to mix things up, just to try something a bit different. But he's also our captain now. And, you know, I sometimes always say that our captain armband is cursed. You know, since Harry Maguire's got rid of it, he's been playing a lot better. We've had players in the past who struggled with that weight of being Man United captain. I don't know if that's anything to do with it. But yeah, we need definitely need to be seeing more from Bruno. As I say, Rashford, Hoyland, Garnacho are now delivering and you know, giving us the goals and assists that we were missing in the early part of the season. The last one now who needs to start doing it and maybe we will start winning games by two or three goals is Bruno. Uh so yeah, you know, let's see what happens there. But as you said, yeah, rotation, who can come in, who can come out. And Ericsson is one who's not played much at all recently. Anthony's not played much, but I'm sure you're very, very happy about that. Yeah, no, I don't think really want to see him. Rather, Ahmad would come in and maybe get some minutes as well. That would be good to see. Yeah, I'm actually really upset at the lack of minutes Ahmad's had since he's come back. I wanted to see more of him. And, you know, because it's because of Ahmad that the likes of Palestri was then being sent out on loan and is actually doing pretty well on loan from what I understand. Uh, but we've seen nothing much of Ahmad since he's been fit again. Um, I would. I doubt he's going to be ahead of Anthony in the pecking order. I think Should if be. there is a bit of rotation, I think it will be Anthony. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, I agree. It should be. Uh, it was that last FA Cup game where Anthony did get a goal. So yeah, pro- you know, this Forest game there might be some changes, but we've got a good record against Forest recently. But we did lose to them yeah. in our last game. It was another terrible result. And first day of the season, I was. It wasn't first day of the season. But uh, it was first home match. I was there and we were 2-0 down, if you remember, after about five minutes, but yeah. ended up winning 3-2. Second, second um, home match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we should, yeah. it, it, I think we want to win it. We want to well, we go far in it, at least. It's the only trophy we can win. So you don't suspect he'd rest too many players. But I think between the Fulham and Forest games, at least taking players off, you know, with good time, if we can, if we can actually get a good lead and, you know, control a game it would be nice then we can actually start resting some players and not playing them for the full 90 like Ganacho looked absolutely knackered by the end of that looting game so you know just about preserving stuff like that because ultimately we're going to the Etihad on Sunday and it's going to be a tough game and we need need everyone at their best if we want to get something from it well, exactly. And uh, we will try and record before that, but I can't guarantee it. Whenever we have these midweekers, we always struggle to fit in things, you know, between going to the games, getting this recorded, then getting it edited and getting it out. It doesn't always happen. Uh, so, yeah, we'll kind of do that City preview now as well. Uh, yeah, going to the Etihad on Sunday. We've got a terrible record against City recently. We did beat them uh, around this time last year that one win but apart from that it's five losses in the last six um hopefully we are in that bit of better form now and we can do something hopefully last season we did it i'm going to the game so i really hope so really you got an away ticket i got an away ticket (laughs) wow uh we were because we applied for forest away uh with the idea that the bigger allocation we might get in but then we just cheekily thought oh let's apply for city as well we got city tickets and didn't get forest tickets so you know all right. Good luck. I haven't had any this season. I've had nothing, nothing this season at all. Uh, maybe they'll get a flurry of away tickets towards the end of the year. But yeah, I've not been to any away games this season at all. So all right, you're off to the Etihad. Have you done that before? No, never been to the Etihad before. Uh, so it's, well, I've, I've done I've done Anfield and Ellen Road. So it's the, it's the, the last one to tick off the list. I have seen us win at the Etihad. 
Uh, I think I've been there twice. Once I have actually sat in the city end and watched us and had to be obviously very quiet doing that. Um, but yeah, all right, all right. So yeah, you will be at this one as well. Look, we're on. This is our best time for us to go at them. Uh, we are finally hitting some form. Hopefully, in these next two games in between, we can keep that form going. And if we can go there on some decent expectation, we'll see what happens. I mean, City have kept rolling on, even missing Haaland. You know, they were missing Kevin De Bruyne for a lot of the year. Both of them are now back and causing a lot of headaches for fantasy football teams on working out how to get these guys into the team. Have you have you got any of these guys in your fantasy team? Triple captain Haaland, didn't I? Like everybody, like, like all other two million people. So, uh... Yeah, we'll see how they do. I on. didn't. I didn't. I, I I decided to go against the grain. I didn't triple captain Harland, even though they got two matches, and uh, so he did nothing in his first game. And I know everyone's now begging that he is in this tonight. In fact, as tonight, we record yeah. this, I'm hoping he doesn't because I did not triple captain him. And if, uh, but do have both of them, De Bruyne and Harland. I've got Harry Maguire. Have you got any Man United players in no. your fantasy team? No, you don't put United players in your fantasy team. Then for you don't get you don't get doubly disappointed when they when they're crap. I mean, listen. Back in the day, my team always had three Man United players in it under Ferguson. And even recently, even recently, you know, I'd still have a Rashford, uh, I'd still have a defender. But uh, in the last, this season, like I said, I bought Maguire because he was kind of cheap and he's actually done all right. But I am now looking at Garnacho. I'm looking at Hoyland and Well, Hoyland thinking, would be the one you know, now. Because you'd think Hoyland could easily finish the season on 20 goals. He's got 11. We've got, what? At least 13, 12, 13 games left. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's no reason why I couldn't get another. You couldn't get couldn't get near twenty goals, and you'd have to say first season in the Premier League. Well, first season at a big club in in England, you know, twenty goals would be a great return. Definitely. Um, and is is the record the youngest ever player to score six Premier League games in a row? Uh, which is a, another nice stat to add on there. So he's actually seven goals in six games. And yeah, great to see. And I don't know if you saw his post-match kind of interview on the pitch after the game as well. Like he speaks really well for a young guy. Uh, you know, he's got, says all the right things and has that desire to be there. But yeah, it is good times when you're now thinking about getting United players back in your team. Mm. Like I say, Garnacho is cheap. I've been looking at him. Hoyland, definitely worth a look at. Uh, we'll see from there. But, but yeah, all right. The, so the, these three games... About, sorry, I was, I was just saying, the thing was that we, I think we, all, we were fairly unanimous on the pod with our... We were happy with the Hoyland transfer at the time. We said it was a lot of money, but you can't have to pay that for a premium position. And a striker of that age, like you look at what PSG spent on Colomani and um, who's the other guy? Uh, yeah, Ramos, yeah, yeah. Ramos, Ramos. Then you yeah, obviously, obviously you look at Darwin. Darwin, Darwin Nunes, like, that's the, you know, that these is, are kind of comparable. Yeah, that, that is the that is the fee you pay for these these strikers, and so I, the money was the outlay was about right. Um, and yeah, I know. I think we paid a lot for somebody who hadn't done that. But much. How, I said it in the summer. That's how much you pay for these or, players at the moment. Because there are no, it is. There are Young no players strikers. command that premium. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did think it was a risk. And I remember in the summer being a bit worried because I thought we'd bring in somebody else yeah, that, as well. That, that was, was your thing. main worry, that we, there was no one else to back him. I don't think there was a worry with exactly. Hoyland. No, I was okay with Hoyland coming in. But um, <laughs> I thought somebody out, we'd get in some old head like we had done to help him out because we know that's not going to be Anthony Martial. But you could tell fairly instantly um, that there was a, a there was a decent player in there. Like a lot. Of, uh, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, think, I said after a month. Yeah. That he's got all the raw attributes to do it, but just I think it is a bit early for him to be expected to lead the line for Manchester United. But he's doing better, better mm. than I expected well, yeah, already. Better yeah. than anyone expected. I thought he'd need like. It's pretty sad though. That's uh, that's the standard these days. I think you can tell with a lot of our strike signings within five, ten games whether they're going to be crap or not. Yeah, look. Sometimes you have to give people time. I mean, look at Onana now. You, he's, he's on a relatively, relatively decent run but of form. Relatively, I'm still. Still pretty. I'm. I'm still confident that he won't work out with Onana. But I'd like to be. I'd like to be proven wrong. But I mean, the main thing is as well. At least he's not losing us games as he was earlier in the Yet. season. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we've, not a, we've not got a Champions League to be in. That's why. Um, no. Well, I mean, we'll see. I'm, he has. He has. His form has turned up significantly. So hopefully, he continues that. And it would just be nice to have a solid standard keeper. He is actually coming off his line a bit more now, catching crosses and stuff. 
so that's helped him, I think, as well. Um, so yeah, need to he needs to continue that. So what's your expectations for these three games? Fulham this weekend, Nottingham Forest midweek, and Manchester City. I think next we'll, we'll we'll beat Fulham probably three two or two one. A you know usual standard United closeness. Forest will go to penalties, and I think we'll win on penalties. Because um, this round it goes straight to penalties. You think we'll win on penalties? I think we, I think we never it goes win straight on to penalties. penalties now, doesn't it? From the fifth round, I'm pretty sure from the fifth round it goes straight to penalties. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong on that. And then City, I think they'll, I think, I think they'll do as City. Unfortunately, um, they're they're annoying in the sense that like for other te- other teams can catch them a bit cold, but for us they always seem really up for it. So we can never seem to catch them cold. So I think uh, yeah, I think City will beat us. I know I'm going for two wins and a draw. Uh, roll on in the FA Cup. Get closer to that top four place. And I think, yeah, we would need to put in some kind of performance against City. Well, I'd be happy if he went, you know, he did. we went to Liverpool recently and came out with a draw. And he went kind of a bit more defensive than he has done. Went pr- pragmatic. And yeah, well, I'll be happy with that, you know, to mix it up if you need to. We've lost too many games to Manchester City in recent times. Uh, we can't be doing that anymore. You know, you're harking back to Ole days where he had a really good record against Guardiola in that brief kind of period. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, funnily enough, did you see Ole getting linked to the Bayern job? I did, I did. He would be the, the, the golden interim. To be fair, I, I, I feel that Ole often, like, when people react to him as manager, they like, put him as like Frank Lampard or Phil Neville Definitely. kind of thing. He's way above I that. I still think he's so underrated. Um, Just He got and, way too much abuse for the job that he did for us. Uh, you know, he is still our best kind of manager post Fergie, in my opinion. Some people argue for Jose because of those the trophy seasons, but yeah, in terms of consistency, I still think his job was very underrated. Well, back to back to back Champions yeah. Leagues finishes, um, finals. Yeah, we didn't we didn't win, but got to got us to the final in competitions. And I mean, ultimately, we were we were very good, even as Ten Hag. So, so, um, Obviously, like the questions were around Ali and his tactical management, but some Ten Hag, someone who's meant to be super tactical, is just you know finding it hard to operate in the United structure. So maybe there's maybe more to it. But I honestly, I think I don't think it'll happen. Obviously, but if, I think there could be worse. In, Bayern could hire worse interim managers if they get rid yeah, of Tuchel. Yeah, and it is also funny to see Harry Kane go out to Bayern Munich, who won what ten or maybe even eleven Bundesliga in a row or something ridiculous and. And now struggling like for it. Uh, that Spurs curse goes with him. Um, you know, in the summer, people made out that, yeah, he could have come to us. I don't know if it was ever a realistic option or not. I don't think it was. I think that uh, Levy was never going to sell him to another Premier League club. And I kind of respected Harry Kane for going out to Bayern and going to do something different. And he's been doing really well on himself, but it will be definitely comedy if he comes out with nothing to show from this season but yeah that's because his first ever trophy is meant to be the euros in the in the summer that's oof, why oof. Uh, i i i kind of think england missed their best chance at the euro uh, the last no, time this, we 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 are winning the euros this summer i'm 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 so you never you're never confident about summer. united but you're confident about england confident about england <laughs> yeah i feel like uh if it, it, that, me and who will go in Manu, Rice, Bellingham, don't get much better than that three. All right, all right. I'm surprised by your kind of confidence in England. Um, unless unless, he's, unless he, just, he he sticks with Calvin Phillips, in which case, you know, could be issues. But no, genuinely, I think he will go for Manu. I think there's been a lot of talk about Manu being in the England squad. I, I don't see why someone like that, instead of people like, you know, Henderson and... Well, he, he did so actually go out to cracked. Ajax to watch Henderson. I was kind of sad to see him there. I was like, look, why bother? As if you don't know what Dean Henderson's going to do for you. Why do you even need to waste your time yeah. going all the way to Amsterdam to watch him? And Menu is, I mean, he plays, he doesn't play like an 18-year-old at all. He plays someone way above his, above that. He was the only player in the first half against Luton who was a bit calm on the ball, put his foot on it, relaxed. Someone was pressing him, he just, you know, knock it past them. He plays way above his years. He's low centre of gravity, helps him get out of situations. Ex- just a, a brilliant footballer. And I, I think, yeah, I can definitely see him going into the England squads very yeah, soon. Yeah, they do need to get him tied down. I mean, he's not even played for England under-21s yet, Colby Miner. No, I mean, I think he could get called up for... Ghana. I think he has a Ghana yeah. heritage. So, yeah, they might be sniffing around. But he has played for England youth teams. He has played at like... He has. Yeah, but I think don't you, have to play, you have to play international competition, don't you, before you can get 
Yeah, before you're kind of tied, and even then, yeah. nowadays there is like opportunity. You to can still... get out of it. I think if you've played less, than, I think if you played less than three, I think you can yeah, get out of it yeah. or something. So, but, but no, yeah, I think they'll get him tied down pretty quick. Yeah, you would expect him to get a shout out pretty soon, and I think there is an international break coming up pretty soon. As we've got in a couple March, of I believe. Yeah, yeah, there is one in March. I think we've got a couple of friendly. I know the women's lionesses are actually playing this week. They've got a couple of friendlies. But yeah, the men are playing next month. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Mainu gets called up already. Uh, end, end of March. So they play in Brazil and Belgium at the end of March. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, look, I'm not that confident. I think England missed their best chance for a trophy in these last two tournaments. But no, you're, you're right, though. The rights of Bellingham, Mainu will add in, you know, who weren't necessarily at top for going in. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens over there. But, yeah, like I said, I was just surprised to hear your confidence in England after your usual lack of optimism around uh, United. Um, but, anyway, look, even, even you're expecting a couple of wins in this next run of games for us. So, which yeah. means we'll probably, end up lo- which probably, we'll probably end up losing. So, that's that's how that goes. Uh, we, like I say, we may come back after probably the... F- between one of these two games before the City game but I'm not promising it because it's always difficult to fit everything and depending on what's going on we will definitely be back after that Manchester City game though and uh, yeah let's see how we're done over there Uh, that's it for now good night from me cheers Sports Social Podcast Network Hey guys it is Ryan I'm not sure if you know this about me but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can I like to work but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus.